Welcome to this South Australian Grain Industry Trust podcast, bringing you the latest in grains R&D. In the mid-90s, very few producers were growing lentils. 25 years on, that's changed significantly. It's now a cash crop, which many farmers want to grow. Unfortunately, though, not all can, due to issues like herbicide intolerance and rainfall and soil needs, just to name a few. G'day, I'm Drew Radford, and recent SAGAT trials aim to address some of those issues. Central to the trials has been Dr. Lan McMurray from Global Grain Genetics. To discuss the findings, he joins us for this SAGAT podcast. Lan, thanks for your time. Thank you. Lan, before we drill down into some of the work that you've actually been doing with SAGAT, I just want to take one step back because pulses, they're pretty much in your DNA. In fact, it's what your doctorate was focused on, trying to solve some of these problems around lentils, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right, Drew. I, I started my career in Saudi in pulses as a pulse research agronomist and uh, yeah, I guess I fell in love with them and I worked with many pulses for a long period of time and was in the initial Australian lentil breeding program, which started the development of lentils for Australian growers. And then in recent years, I did go back to do a PhD, as you mentioned, in lentil plant breeding. And in particular, I looked at developing herbicide tolerance in lentils to try and improve the weed control options in lentils, which is one of their major limitations to production in Australia. And Lan, with that initial group that you were involved with back in 1996, you had a vision back then to try and get lentil production to a certain level in Australia. You know, what was that vision and where do you reckon it is roughly now? There was a number of pulses being grown by Australian growers back in the 90s and lentils was the new kid in the block, I guess. And we felt that lentils were really only well suited to the favourable growing areas such as the York Peninsula, parts of the Mid-North and the Wimmera and Victoria. So yeah, we had modest expectations, I guess, of trying to get lentils reliable in those areas and we sort of did calculations that perhaps a lentil industry of 200,000 tonnes by 2020 would be a really good achievement. It's very pleasing to see the amount of lentil crops grown not just in those areas, but much more broadly now in South Australia and Victoria in particular. And yeah, there's some talk that we could have a a record lentil crop, maybe even touching the million tonnes this year. That's a remarkable amount of progress in just over 25 years. And you said you focused on those favourable areas. More and more producers want to grow the crop, but there's limitations to it in terms of the environment that it's suitable to, isn't it? And that's what you've been working on solving with the SAGAT work. Yeah, that's right. So lentils have a specific adaptation area in a way that they don't like acidic soils and they don't like waterlogging, but they're also they're a short stature crop, so they need to be able to grow to a certain height to be able to be machine harvested. And they suffer from many of the normal suite of traits which pulses suffer from, as such as drought and frost, hot winds at flowering and podfield timing. And also, being a short stature crop, they were very poor for weed competition. And like all pulses, they're also intolerant of many of the residual herbicides used in our cereal production. So when we moved out into more 
serial-dominated, lower rainfall areas, a lot of those issues really became almost problematic for lentil production. Lan, those are some fairly significant issues to resolve, and I understand that the SAGAT projects you've been undertaking are really focused on tackling those. Yeah, so we looked at lentil production, as we said, and it was very small in those low rainfall areas. So it was, it's been sitting for, say, the last 10 years at around ten to 30,000 hectares in places like the Mallee, upper mid-north and upper parts of the Air Peninsula. And, and then you looked at that as part of a whole crop and it was sort of less than 1%. So again, a modest increase, say, to 5% could increase that, say, fivefold to 150,000 hectares, which would essentially double the current lentil acreage in South Australia. So we weren't trying to grow lentils everywhere, but by hopefully making them a bit more robust, we can get them a bit more reliable into those lower rainfall areas. And the main things farmers need, they need reliability that they're going to get some sort of crop yield in a poor year. So the projects we started with Saget were to see if we could identify the traits that uh, were important for lentil production in those low rainfall areas and then to develop some germplasm or some breeding lines which showed better adaptation to those areas because the initial lentil breeding program was all focused on those favourable areas and so the traits we had selected were for those favourable environments, not for these harsher environments. So, Lan, reasonable objectives there. So what did the projects involve? Well, the first thing we did was get some low rainfall sites because the current Pulse breeding program, the national breeding program funded by governments and GRDC, was not doing any breeding work in those low rain environments. So we said, well, let's get some evaluation trials in these areas and see how things go and what traits are important and what's limiting yields. So we started with four trials in places like the Mallee of South Australia. We had a trial on the Air Peninsula and and a trial on the sand, lower rainfall sand hills north of Butte on the York Peninsula. And we also had a comparator site which we used as Horsham as a favourable site so we could compare differences. So that was the first sort of thing we did. And at the same time, we started to cross with some diverse material which we thought would confer some advantage in those environments. And in particular, we were interested in a line which had a lot of vigour because we felt that vigour and biomass was an issue in those low rainfall environments. So we got those trials going and after two or three years a couple of the key messages we found out of those trials were one that the growing season rainfall is not as important for lentil yields in those environments as it is in other areas in fact it was the annual rainfall from November through to the following October which correlated greater with yield that highlighted to us that summer rainfall or residual soil moisture was important in low rainfall lentil production And that was a good message for growers because if they are going to embark on lentils, then they can increase their odds by sowing them in those environments on a year after they've had summer rainfall rather than a year after perhaps when there's been no summer rainfall residual soil moisture. And then the other key finding in those early trials was that plant biomass or how much growth the lentil plants put on up to flowering was correlated with grain yield. And that didn't happen in the traditional lentil growing environments often we get too much biomass in those environments and that leads to problems like disease and lodging and shading of flowers and pods and and lower yields but in these low rainfall environments it was almost we needed as much biomass by flowering as we could get to guarantee a reasonable yield 
and that gave us the early indication that we needed to get vigour and biomass into our varieties in those environments. So, Lan, that sounds like an extensive trial process, but I imagine within that, did you also manage to narrow down particular varieties that were going to work better in those environments? Yes, so in those initial evaluation trials, we used the standard suite of commercial varieties available to growers, and we found that the highly popular, broadly adapted line PBA Jumbo 2 was on average the highest yielding line in those trials but it wasn't always the highest yielding line and it wasn't always the highest yielding line on particular soil types within those low rainfall environments and it also doesn't have the IMI herbicide torrents which is now almost a mainstay in lentil production in Australia to enable us to get a, some form of effective weed control on lentils so while that was broadly adapted in those environments it had some issues and obviously it doesn't have that herbicide torrent which growers would desire so we also looked at some breeding lines from our program the ggg gia program and they started to show a couple of lines came to the top those two lines were yielding well generally in the favorable environments as well but they also conferred an improvement in those low rainfall environments and there was two lines there gia Thunder and GIA Lightning, which did well in those trials. They were sort of 5 to 10% over the jumbo type level. And they also did have the IMI herbicide torrents, which made them attractive for those environments. So that was a good finding that they were still conferring a similar yield advantage as they were in the higher rainfall areas in those lower rainfall areas. But in, through the Saget work, specifically on the light textured soils, we found that the GIA Lightning actually conferred an advantage over GIA Thunder, which it wasn't showing in the more favourable traditional environments. It was only showing that advantage on the lighter textured soils. A little bit of understanding of that seemed to show that it had a ability to put on biomass during spring, flower and put on biomass during spring, not just early in the season, and that seemed to confer advantage on the light textured soils and we have done some soil screens as well which have started to give us some hints that maybe there's some differences for adaptation to the soil texture as well. Lan, those are really exciting outcomes for producers who are working particularly in lighter soils. What's next? Where to from here? Yeah, well that's a good question because while lightning looks better on those lighter textured soils, we still really need to get a combination perhaps of earlier flowering maturity with that higher level of biomass production because lightning is a little bit later than what growers perhaps would ideally prefer. So we did a couple of other little tricks I guess. One was we took the Jumbo 2 variety which was broadly adapted and has good disease resistance and and high yield and we created a mutated population which we then involving the grower cooperator Wade Nichols at Pinaroo, we actually grew a hectare of this mutated population out on a pretty ugly bit of soil at Pinaroo in 2019. And then we selected individual plants from that population in that year, which ended up being a fairly tough year. So we selected about 100 different individual plants out of that, and then we evaluated those for a couple of years. And we have been able to improve the yield over Jumbo 2 across the low rainfall environments for about 12% with a couple of those lines across two years of valuation. So we're hopeful that we've uncovered some traits for low rainfall adaptation in, in that population and we're now crossing those with things like thunder and lightning and other lines to incorporate the herbicide torrents 
and also hopefully some other better adaptational traits, maybe like boron and salt tolerance. The other thing we did was we had a line with high vigour and we evaluated that in the low rainfall environments and it put on 20 to 40% extra vigour in the first 10 weeks of production, but it didn't confer to yield. It had other failings and while vigour is important, it wasn't as strongly correlated with plant biomass at flowering to grain yield. So we see vigour as being a good trait in the low rainfall environments because it establishes the plant it maybe makes it more robust to insect attacks, sandblasting, allows it to recover from any potential setback. So we think that's a good trait and gets the coverage on the soil early, but we don't want to do that at the expense of yield. So we've crossed that trait into our material as well. And we've also crossed that into some of the novel herbicide torrents we've been working on to see if we can improve the robustness of those herbicide torrent types in the low rainfall environment. Lan, some great outcomes there and sounds like there's still some exciting developments coming. Dr. Lan McMurray from Global Grain Genetics, thank you for taking the time and joining us for this Saget podcast. It was a good chat. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this South Australian Grain Industry Trust podcast. Sagat invests around $1.8 million a year, supporting research crucial to advancing South Australia's $4.6 billion grain industry. These projects deliver real improvements in countless areas of grain growing, farming systems, soil management, harvesting, storage, processing and marketing, and they also provide technical information to growers. To find out more, visit sagat.com.au.